You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. I'm your host, Adit. Today, we have a really special guest, Aditya from the 4th Seat Podcast joining us. Hello, Aditya. Welcome to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hi, good to be here. It's always nice to have you as a guest. Uh, you know, I enjoyed our chat the last time and our interactions in between. Mm-hmm. So, before we get into the nitty-gritty, uh, you guys have not had an episode in a while. What's up with that? Yeah, so I think as with uh, the rest of the world during the COVID times, I think we were readjusting to working from home and stuff like that. And also very honestly, like a lack of topics and uh, with cricket, uh, basically everything else having taken a pause. Uh, it was like a neat little break in a sense uh, from... Uh, otherwise, we would have end up, ended up talking about uh, COVID on most of our episodes, which... <laughs> And just like fooling around also in these times was much harder. So we were all busy in our personal spaces for a while. So we are looking at uh, resuming in a week or two now. That's great news. Look, I was already missing my dose of uh, trivia Indian niche movies. So so we'll hopefully be back in a couple of weeks. I mean, I must say I thought of you guys about 15 days ago. I was (laughs) showing my new roommates Gunda. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, you know, you guys came to my mind. I think we, I'll, I think we'll relaunch in time for uh, the Tiranga Day. Oh wow! Yes, of course. Fifteenth August, like it's very, very poetically the right time to resume uh, with a rewatch of Tiranga, hopefully to All recharge right. our batteries. Yeah, perfect. On to slightly more serious topics. You are on the west coast of the US, aren't you? Uh, the east coast, yeah. Uh, East Coast. How are things uh, with respect to COVID there? So, actually, the peak COVID situation here was a couple of months ago. And uh, when New York was actually hit and uh, the numbers were pretty much, the the COVID numbers in the US were concentrated on the East Coast and uh, like the bigger cities in the West Coast. But uh, thankfully, in the since say I would say late May, early June, uh, the East Coast is actually okay now. Uh, especially the area where I live, the Northeast and uh, and the tri-state area of New York and New England region, the, we are uh, doing okay now. Gradually started opening up in in the towards the third phase of opening here, but the rest of the US isn't doing really good, sadly. Right. What are the indications for the upcoming maybe month or so? I mean, it's it's a very broad. It it doesn't look very good right now, okay. uh, especially in belts like uh, Florida and Arizona and these places where people are shying away from even wearing a mask. Oh. Uh, so it's uh, that's one of the major reasons for this second outbreak. So okay. Hopefully, hopefully people learn this month. Uh, and and there is hope from Europe and also the way New York turned it around. So uh, there is hope. Indeed. I see. And 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 maybe we are not too far off from a vaccine, like a few months away from that Indeed. by the end of the year, hopefully. Indeed. I don't know if through your academic contacts, maybe you know more than what we read in the papers. 
so today as of today i think the oxford study actually they published their findings and uh, it looks like the results are good they are promising so uh, so if if it all goes well with the trials they are saying we are looking at uh, at least an october november kind of uh, a timeline so that's positive so, yeah by december january we should surely have some sort of vaccine and at least for the frontline workers and the essential workers Indeed. hopefully ah, them first for sure uh, but okay that's still very positive news and i really hope you know it's not a topic we want to talk too deeply into the but it's not a topic you can avoid either so i i understand <laughs> now i was going towards certain personal beliefs of uh, certain parts of the world and what they think about wearing mm-hmm. masks and so on it's it's more of a political and constitutional sort mm-hmm. of a thing that they consider so also also with issues like uh, anti science anti vaccine <laughs> groups and uh, that's also an issue like novak djokovic surprisingly yeah, yeah. if you i don't know if you yeah, yeah yeah in one of our previous episodes uh, i think giri brought it up he's a famous anti vaxxer yeah. the organized tournament infecting many of the players uh-huh. many of the players see but uh, anyway the, the the us open was supposed to be on here wearing hmm. uh, back towards sport uh, that was one potential hopeful news and they were actually looking at having uh, partly filled stadiums mm-hmm. but at least the french open is doing it as as far as i know uh, they will have some element of crowd for the french open in august i guess august or september well that's okay but i don't know if it's any better than certain football leagues which use the crowd noise uh, and crowd noise yeah but but j- just like if if i'm not going on a tangent what did you think of the crowd noise that the sky sports broadcast used oh are they i'm um, not paying too much attention there uh, is this there is this mild hum ah. uh, so what they are using is the day one ka lords wala jo first session of a test match ka there is this mild hum right, right where people are chirping and talking mm-hmm. they are using that as a background score without making it too jarring so that's something i felt was good in this broadcast yeah indeed now but that was a good touch just to keep those tuned in just to give them the sense of ah look this is like uh, unlike dubai's KMT stadiums during Pakistan's home games sadly that, that's a point you think to say indeed right mm. but anyway uh, i listen to you know guerrilla cricket the alternative uh, cricket uh, mm-hmm. commentary yeah they always have this mm-hmm. noise because they usually do it yeah. in their studios or at home you know and this is no different from them so it's easy uh, exactly so okay all right nonetheless that's a good thought then they have also thought well about it i would say well when i thought talk quickly about our own um you know covid situation here it's sort of looking more and more positive i dare say we have beaten the first wave but we are all wary about the second one the number of cases is less than 50 or 60 a day um throughout the country and um, the deaths are being registered in single digits every day or what we see so at least it seems reasonable but um yeah i mean next month onwards next month is the vacation month right august or people like to yeah families and uh, yeah that's again something of a worry whether that will trigger a second wave here but we... how good are people with adhering to uh, mask regulations and stuff like that so, so are people doing okay with that yes. in europe yes i mean i can comment about netherlands in my part of netherlands mm-hmm. most importantly so here what i see is people uh, for example going in, it's not mandated to have a mask in all indoor spaces what you have to maintain okay. is the personal space hmm people more or less very strictly follow it 
in certain shops they request you to use hand gel before going in or they suggest why don't you wear a mask before going in as a suggestion many people immediately follow it and okay. places like public transport and stuff you have to use it right and people are restricted you can't get on a bus without a mask something oh, that's 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 positive yeah. and uh, they follow it and also where i see for example while jogging or when you just pass each other on the street or something people are still able to give that 4 5 meter distance between each other and i i consider that as a very positive thing yeah it's a smaller um, population for sure but i think they are a bit more uh, let's say proactive in trying to uh, not get uh, you know hmm. infected that's at least it seems a bit positive uh, when it comes to cricket i'm very happy to say we resumed the season i've played three games already this season oh how is it going well we won three out of three there is no promotion or demotion and uh, our team sort of okay. had a reversal in the last season so we were very you know keen to play and we are very happy to start off but the only thing as i said it's more of a chance to gel and get together as a, you know playing sports outdoors again there are many rules for example you cannot use the um, you know the comfort facilities you have to get your own food and water there are many many rules but not everything is easily adherable like for example you can leave the ball um, you know your cap and uh, sweater and stuff you to teammate these things we still do mm-hmm. some things are tough tougher like that but Mm-hmm. as much as possible people are still even on the cricket field they are very very aware uh, so that's something i see mm-hmm. that's so, good yeah i mean let's just hope you know it has to run its course you know we, we know in 18 to 20 it took two years for it to run i think three courses right through the world so we mm-hmm. if you have beaten the first wave and if we, if we can dampen the peak in the second one i'm really hoping we will do much better this mm-hmm. time right yeah all right now onwards with the cricket we have uh, we have just witnessed the close of the second test match between uh, england and west indies aditya did you watch most of it or listen to it maybe it's been like the game starts pretty mm-hmm. early here like 5 o'clock in the morning it's, it's almost like uh, how an australia test match would be in india it's exactly that time scale uh, nice. timeline for me like uh, so so what i've been doing like the first test i pretty much watched the whole of it uh the second test not as much because it was a busier week but i've been catching up on uh, the highlights because uh, ecb seems to have a good highlights on youtube itself so they have a, a pretty good summary of the day and so yesterday's game i watched but the weekdays i couldn't catch uh, this time but i've pretty much kept in touch with the whole game so i i have really the the first test was like the most i have been excited for a neutral game in a really long long time fantastic to hear that and that's that's indeed how it should be that test deserved all the time there and uh, and in a way it, uh, if you were to look at the positive side of it i think uh, given the amount of cricket that has been played uh, over the past couple of years and uh, non stop just switching from one format mm-hmm. to the other every other day uh, we although we did take all of that for granted and we missed sport when it was away it probably ended up uh, like spicing up the sport in some ways i think it might be a good reset button for the sport yeah and uh, what one thing i saw was that uh, the fast bowlers were all looking much sharper in the first test indeed now that was indeed a very good observation they all had longer hair and beards but from mm-hmm. a fitness perspective they were indeed somebody like shanil gibrel you could see the big difference right 
especially if you uh, if, if if i may go back to the first mm-hmm. test because you might have done an episode on that before yeah. so if particularly in the first test uh, one dismissal that really like struck me was uh, that oli pope's dismissal in the second innings it's like fag and fag end of the day uh, you have alzari joseph gabriel and rosh all of them were bowling pretty quick for the final spell of the day and that pope dismissal was essentially like a boxer yeah. punch yeah. basically it's like a punch being landed the ball cut in uh, he was forced onto the back foot and just played it on so i think that was like a very symbolic dismissal which was very physical in nature in more ways than one i think i mentioned this in the previous episode where we covered the first test mm-hmm. that's exactly what i said it was more like a boxing knockout because oh. mm-hmm. He pegged him back. He pegged him back. He kept bowling short and hard into the body, and kept him sort of, as you say, tentative on on his feet. And then one came all the way full and just crashed into the stumps. That was that was fantastic theatre mm-hmm. indeed. And Shannon Gabriel, you know, deservedly was the man of the match in the first test. Uh, but somehow, <laughs> if you come to the second one, he never turned up here. Wonder what happened. Also, also have, looks like a fitness thing, right? Because it's back-to-back test matches. Uh, so one thing probably. going fresh into the first game mm. it's an advantage but then not having played any sort of competitive cricket mm. over a period of few months uh the rhythm in that sense and the fitness so to carry on back to back for two tests especially for a country like west indies might be much harder england have a bigger pool to rotate from mm-hmm. as we saw in this test match they they had the luxury of resting both anderson and archer okay. and wood also so they had essentially had a completely renewed pace attack so it would have been interesting to see had uh, england also carried on with the same pace attack would we have seen the same effect with england a point but look there was one common factor right and a very mm-hmm. important one at that a certain mr ben stokes yep he was he was, was up for it yeah and and like from last year and this year i think it's safe to say that you have your kohlis and the williamsons of the world and the smiths of the world but i think uh, stokes has a huge shot at uh, claiming the title of the uh, probably the most impactful cricketer of this generation yes if he if he goes on this way in terms of the results and the games he influences it's phenomenal yeah I mean, ever since he's made a comeback, this is a new, new cricketer altogether, right? Yeah. I think it was that uh, wake-up call that he needed, or something. Now he's performing to his full potential, and that that's that's a altogether a different level at which he plays these days. By the looks of it, coming back to the England innings, you know, they were batting a bit slow, at least at the beginning. But then, what well, Dominic Sibley is old-school Test cricket opener, watching paint dry sort of a mm. Test match opener. But with him, Ben Stokes. equally went to the same level and blocked his first hundred runs he was so slow but apparently west indies were bowling well there you know they had to be given the credit the one guy who was missing really was gabriel right i don't know if you saw it he bowled a ball directly to the second slip yeah 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 very harmison like huh? yes <laughs> and uh, what he bowls it showed because holder kept bringing his hands for the whole over after that but you know, west indies also like partly gabriel when he came back in that spell he actually uh, got a nick and uh, he was dropped uh, sibley was dropped <laughs> off by right. holder i guess uh, and at that point england were only around 150 or something so might have been a uh, costly miss it in was the in the end right so yeah. if you look at it that partnership took it away that partnership was just the meat of the innings there there was nothing on either side of it actually exactly. 
Josh Butler 14 sure but you know a little bit from Tom Best that was more like declaration mm-hmm. batting or whatever that's mm-hmm. that's doesn't count too much but you're absolutely right that huge a partnership given that they were 3 for 81 that could easily have been 4 for 120 and maybe turn it all out or something right exactly. from there to take the score to 341 and more importantly they took out literally one whole day's play that's mm-hmm. more important for me I think yeah. that point, you know the bowlers had to keep coming in they had four full fast bowlers you have Roach, uh, you have Gabriel, Joseph, and Holder. Between them, they have bowled more than 100 overs, even 120 overs close to, right? That, that will have a turning effect. The innings itself was very 90s, like, like uh, two, yeah, two, exactly. two and a half, three runs and over scoring, like 200 for mm-hmm. three uh, after a days of, uh, whole days batting is not something you see very often these days. Old school. Mm-hmm. But, but, but uh, again, to an extent, West Indies have to be given credit because the, unlike West Indies sides of the past who just unravel very quickly, uh, they have kept at it. They have lost this test match, but uh, at different stages of both test matches, it hasn't been like... So, West Indies have won games in the recent past. Say, they beat England at home. But mm-hmm. those were performances where they just blew the opposition away. That was not right. like conventional test cricket in a sense but what we have seen in this series both in the first test and in the second defeat mm. is they have shown the ability to actually grind it out both with the bat and bowl like with the ball the first day could easily have been disastrous after a drop catch uh, Stokes could have gone berserk and last session could have yielded 120 runs but none of that mm. happened mm. so in a way it's also credit to West Indies given that Despite that really big partnership, they kept it to 450, 460-ish score. It wasn't even mm-hmm. 500 eventually. Yeah. So, credit where it's due. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. We have to credit the coaching setup and the captain for the mindset that they instill into mm-hmm. this team. You know, there's this joie de vivre you see when the West Indian lineup mm-hmm. plays. That is still there. That is intact. Mm-hmm. But to that, they have sort of allied this persistence and tenacity which was probably missing all through the years. Blackwood himself, right? Blackwood is much of a dasher otherwise, but uh, at, at least you see that they have tried to play test cricket and give it the respect that it is it deserves. The and uh, Unlike mm-hmm. sides of the past where they would just come out and just slog their way out, but uh, it's it's been slightly different approach-wise. Mm-hmm. That's the heartening element for me, even more than the results. And you are absolutely right. We were discussing it it off air, right? Hmm. This approach and this tenacity, if they continue, a full revival is not very far off. Where far off, again yeah. they become unbeatable both home and away, probably. Yeah, because resource-wise, I think they are okay right now. Hmm. I think they have the resource currently uh, in terms of the personnel. Yeah. I think they have de- decent enough pool to play from, play with. Yeah, they would uh, they would claim a couple more people. Yeah, maybe. You know, Shai Hope has probably the rope is over for him, I think. Yeah. There is Hetmeyer Puran waiting outside. Exactly. They have not and Bravo maybe Bravo. he can fit in. Yeah. But what you can say even in their first innings, up until two forty for four, they were looking really comfortable. Yeah. You know. Then suddenly there was this brain fade of a half an hour where Blackwood was out for a grubber. Dowrich was out again, very well bowled mm-hmm. by Rod, and Holder was dismissed by Oaks. You know, these three vehicles, of course, Brathwaite. And broad again, like conjuring up uh, inner Vakarionis like <laughs> spell. Like like right. broad has has these phases, right? Broad is a very temperamental bowler in that sense. So hmm. he he can just go for runs and look very ineffective. Suddenly, then he'll turn up like one spell in a day where he'll pick four in a spell. Exactly. So 
it's very unlike an english bowler mm. in many ways mm. but uh, that is quite uh, the way he just came back in that last spell everything turned in that one spell right because it yeah. the entire test match was actually a matter of the west indies playing out that one session exactly. which was very much within their grasps at that point nothing was happening at that point i actually told someone here that mm. uh it, it looks almost like a test match at mohali at that point <laughs> right. the wicket had slowed down significantly there's nothing much happening and and uh, brooks actually as someone who has i have been really impressed with in three of his innings now mm-hmm. then he looks like someone if he can actually keep it up this way i, I think there is a special test player in the making Uh, very elegant of his pads very asian like mm-hmm. batting of of his pads you know this guy was supposed to be a much more promising as a youngster you know yeah. i was hearing this in the sagaikor uh, high performance center sagaikor high performance center mm-hmm. uh, one of the guests on gerna cricket was talking about it i think it was toby radford who was uh, formerly mm-hmm. the indian batting coach he was also mm-hmm. the guy who ran the sagaikor high performance test center and in those days Apparently, Shamar Brooks was the captain of the team, which had your Shannon Gabriel, Jason Holder, and oh. these people. So the talent was mm. always there. What was probably missing was the application, as you say. And maybe he's turned now 31. He's not very young, but probably mm. the maturity has come through. Now you can see, mm. indeed, that talent is there, as you say. That he has, he looks very elegant playing on both sides of the wicket, off the front and off the back foot. Mm. And, and again, especially against spin, like very easy and pleasing on the eye. Indeed. and uh, then he you know he showed it in both the innings you know yeah and that even though there were wickets falling around him he hung on his 68 was probably very crucial for the west indies even though mm-hmm. they probably considered a lead that they wouldn't have almost 180 mm-hmm. it's, it's a killer of a lead but then yeah. you know uh, what do you say about this move stokes and butler walking out to open for england actually brilliant move like very few sides do it these days mm. uh, I, i i if if i were to think of what india would have done we would have opened with the same mm. conventional opening batsman we yeah. we generally don't compromise on that right. so it's something very rare and i was actually impressed it didn't click at least the butler move didn't click but uh, the intentions were were right Indeed. basically it signaled that they didn't want to bat more than 20 overs Correct. so And that was a T20, right? It was not even one yeah. day. In their own mind, it was clearly a T20. And who better than Butler who opens in T20s, right? Well, the Test yeah. match, the ball—it's a different ball game for sure. Something which I really like rankles me about Test cricket these days is sides bat on for too long generally, mm-hmm. and the they look for really big safety nets. Right. But at the same time, uh, Test match batting sides have not really shown the ability to bat out day four and day five these days. Right. How many test matches have we seen where sides have played out for a draw? It really doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, most test matches are four days are enough for a test match result. Mm-hmm. We see that so often. Same here. Yeah. Happened in both these yeah. test matches, Indeed. right? Uh, last Indeed. and this test match. So I don't really understand. Test captains don't. Uh, I think play too safe. Uh, I think this was refreshing in that sense. Mm-hmm. Seeing mm-hmm. that, you know. it's probably the advent of the limited overs cricket that has made the batsmen a bit more you know short friendly if i may use that term right yeah and bowlers are happy to bowl fuller they know you are happy to play a shots they are also not going to sit back they're going to try and make you play a shot and get you out 
so i mean this is a longer argument maybe it's all leading towards a four day test eventually in a couple of years down the line essentially because if we all we have to look at is the stats for how many test matches have gone into the, the only problem with a four day test like uh, going on a tangent is uh, what happens when a day gets rained off exactly that's a huge problem like uh, the, the, you don't have the buffer anymore then will it eventually end up resulting in a lot more draws because test cricket i have uh, ever since i started watching test cricket this is probably in the last 3 years uh, mm. test cricket has never been this exciting agreed totally same for me i mean i started in the unfortunate mid 90s so to say mid 90s good god i remember <laughs> the roads the 900 plus 100 never never let's not go there but at the end of the day it's okay right i'd rather take a four day exciting test than a five day snooze fest right? snooze fest I, I, most sides also right now ha ah. you will not have a lot of lopsided games so uh, lopsided games in the sense that most sides can beat the other at least at, in their homes even sri lanka given their poor state right now mm. will still be hard to beat at home for someone like australia i would say okay uh, that so at least to that extent you have a level playing field in test I mean, because you have more reasons this is a longer discussion point for sure i'm not happy about mm. that there's a little bit of you know partisanship when it comes to preparation of pitches and so on but pitches yeah yeah th- that i totally agree that there are more layers to it yeah. but uh, uh, what i am i was trying to say is that most sides have at least something going for them you don't have like complete duds of a okay test team currently okay in that case that makes sense that um, we can you know sort of also expect maybe if there is a chance of a closed dome like a test or dome situation Then you can have four days of proper cricket, where rain yeah. will not affect you, right? So if we can, yeah. if we can ally one to the other, that will make more sense. But let's see where it goes. But coming back to this test, they made a very enterprising declaration, one twenty nine for three. That meant you know West Indies had about eighty five overs to bat, and three twelve runs enough for a target. I think you know that innings by Gordon Greenwich all those years ago still left a bit of scar in the English psyche that they will not declare for two eighty. What if one of these guys go off? You know, and then the match is finished in twenty-five hours or whatever. So mm-hmm. they will always want the cushion of three-twelve. Of course, the bowling attack is vastly more experienced, but nonetheless, mm-hmm. uh, they began really well. You know, I was expecting a bit more from Campbell. Um, mm-hmm. He flashed one at um, you know a half volley, and he was out. That was very crucial for me. I was really hoping he kicks off like a Sehwag or somebody, and yeah, and, and Campbell largely uh, has like uh, I I also have like a soft spot for. Campbell, he looks like a decent opener. Mm-hmm. He looks like someone a beginning is around kind of a batsman. Yeah. I don't know why. He just gives me that feeling. Yeah, no, so. but in that case, let's hope you know the West Indian management thinks the same like you. I really hope he gets an, another test at least here, right? Yeah. He's not at the end of his rope, even though his numbers look bad. He looks very promising. But ever since he has, ever since he has come to the top of the West Indian order, I think their opening partnerships at least look like. Having a semblance mm-hmm. of decency to it, because previously West Indies, I remember like twenty fourteen, fifteen, they had a lot of walking wickets as openers. <laughs> so right, and and it was a rotating, the revolving door kind of a situation where anyone would walk in to open. It was pretty bad. So I, I think Campbell at least looks a decent bat. Yeah, no, he has the technique and the stomach. I'm sure it's. I think the mm-hmm. short selection that lets him down possibly, yeah. and he's a lefty. Yeah. Huh? So. In this entire lineup, there are not many left-handers. In fact, there is no. Exactly. 
Nobody. So that's one thing, you know. Kumar Bonar is one of the incumbents. Let's say if Hopper to be dropped, and he's had a very positive season as well for Jamaica. If I'm reading, so this might make a very good addition to this team, right? But anyway, coming back here, Hope again let himself down. It is. It was a good ball, no doubt. It was one that kept a bit low as well. But I expect he, he was playing. He was looking positive. Some somehow he lost it again. Rather it was worked out. I thought. I thought Wokes uh, bowled really well to get him out, but then the key wicket was there, right there. Austin Chase, what you said, right? We know Brooks and yeah. Blackwood can add power, but somebody like Chase is the one who will take one end up for the rest of the day, and you know. And he has done it in the ah, past. Yeah. He has saved Test matches and almost saved Test matches in the past. Yes. Oh God, why did he do that Test match? It <laughs> and also saved a Test against India. Ah, yeah, yeah, one thirty-one, not up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, crazy. But mm-hmm. he has two fourth innings hundred. That's better than some very big names I can take right now. But in any case, yeah. the point is, I was looking up that he might do it again. Look, all of those wickets are broad again, right? Mm-hmm. I think broad has come good with his words as much as his, you know, his things on the field. This is the quality of a leader, I think. Somebody who wants to lead the attack must be able to do this. You you say why did yeah. you drop me, and then you come back and take six or eight wickets and lead the game. Instead of brooding and failing, exactly. Yeah. That, that's very good. But then again, what was very heartening, you know, um, before the um, second session began, I read a stat on cricket for it. In the first test, we had forgotten they were thirty-five for three as well. Yes, yeah, yes. Hmm. So here they were twenty-seven for three, twenty-nine for three, or something. So hmm. there was not a lot between that. But then that uh, critical blow, right? Losing Rostin Chase immediately after the break was probably what hmm. cost them. One of the things that cost. Yeah. The other one, what you were yeah. highlighting to me, off air, losing Blackwood of the last ball of the middle set. Yeah. Right? Yes. Because going in with six in hand mm-hmm. uh, and two set batsmen, a hundred run partnership is completely different, right? Even if that had like played out, they had played out another five overs after uh, T mm-hmm. makes a huge difference there. See, you got your sixty uh, balls or thirty-five from Jason Holder. Unfortunately, yes. Dawrich had a pair. He was one of my unsung heroes as far as the first test match goes. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. he had a bad test, same like Shane Gabriel, which is sort of unexpected, yeah. but it happened. But then the mm-hmm. writing was pretty much on the wall. The moment the partnership of Brooks and Holder was broken, I was more or less certain mm-hmm. this is it because there was more than an hour and a quarter of play possible play left. I thought that was yes. too much. That required a little bit of a miracle, and unfortunately, that's what unfolded. West Indies were 198 all out. And I think the wickets are pretty much, you know, spread in between the bowlers. And I was happy to see Dom West come to the party as well. Hmm. Yeah. You no. Know, uh, so, Dom West is an improved bowler, like mm-hmm. much improved. Like I, I remember seeing him against Pakistan a few years ago, and he he looked nothing more than a containing bowler. Right. Now he seems to have like a lot more going for him. He's getting a, the ball to grip and. Hmm. Uh, Uh, th- that holder's dismissal, especially, was like a perfect off off spinner's dismissal. Beautiful loop and gone through the gate, right? Gate. So yeah. that was good. And then, of course, you know, this this guy is never showing up on many people's radar. Sam Curran. He does something. Yes. <laughs> right. Seventeen Test matches. I think he has won thirteen ah, of them. Ah. Whenever England has played him, and he doesn't get to play a full series generally. Right. So and. He has a Chaminda was like uh, wicket taking ability yeah, with the ball. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very much was like, and even also with the bat. Right? Exactly. Was also had this little bit of a stability with the bat, right? Yeah, yeah. I think he made a mockery of India when they toured, but against other teams he still able to hold up. 
in fact in during india's tour he was the difference between the two sides exactly. i would just go go as far to say that Ha, I ha, don't think ha. there was anything to choose from between the top orders or, or the bowling attacks except right. for Sam Curran. Right. Yeah, that sting in the tail is what made us lose Test matches. Correct. Yeah. Agree. No, but again, look, he's back and Rohit is back, and immediately see there's a difference. Yeah. Right. Yes. That was pretty weird. But anyway, also the positive, I think the captaincy of Rohit had a lot to do. The field positions were a lot more, you know, attacking. especially when broad yeah. bowling with this thing up mm. that was very nice to see so all in all for me this is a fantastic advertisement again with test match going forward the way sport mm. has made a comeback in cricket at the highest level this is fantastic so I couldn't have thought of a better series uh, like the way it is poised right now couldn't mm. have thought of two better test matches to start it off Agreed. like you have gone like two last session test matches i think mm. you can't ask for more indeed that was very good and yeah i mean that means the series is uh, one all but i have a feeling from here england will run away yeah which is a complete but england will somehow take the series 2 one you think the same i i i don't think uh, west indies have the the reserves currently mm-hmm. in in the sense that i don't think gabriel can last another test match or yeah. uh, roach might turn up so that's one positive for them is that roach hasn't fired yet Correct. so probably he might have one spell in him but uh, i really do not see uh, both alzari joseph and uh, gabriel hmm. lasting physically through the final test so i i i i hope that uh, they have an ocean thomas or they have an ocean uh, thomas uh, or, or or chemar holder uh, replacing one of these two exactly so potentially but then also what about yeah we say hope will be replaced by bonner probably that's a given probably Yeah. Any other change? I don't see any other thing actually. Maybe Otherwise, uh, probably uh, say uh, you can have a spinner in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because uh, the kind of damage that uh, Chase has been doing, probably they might benefit with from another spinner. Probably a one seamer light, and given that the next test match again will be at Old Trafford, if the wicket plays anything like this, yeah, probably they could do with another spinner in the eleven. I would say mm. if it's if it's at all possible, maybe drop both Alzheimer Joseph and Shannon Gabriel. Mm. Bring um, Ocean Thomas for a bit of power. Yeah, and bring in uh, the spinner. Rakim Conwall also gives also gives them batting depth if you, they have Conwall. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he bats it. He's a definite eight, mm. right? That means there's a bit more to add. So it might not be a bad thing. Somehow Alzheimer Joseph, I expected he would go a bit more. Alzheimer has been bowling well, so I haven't seen him bowl better. But I think uh, again, fitness is an issue. He's young, and right. and West Indies probably do not have the. Uh, to be fair to them, mm. they probably do not have the kind of uh, academies and fitness training that uh, some of the big three have. Mm. Mm. So that's 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 huge, right? In a back-to-back Test match series like this, uh, right. that plays a huge role. lasting two test matches within like uh, and you have less than 3 days between two test matches i think it's really for a 22 year old that it may not be the easiest thing in the world uh, alzari otherwise has impressed me a lot both test matches he is the one who turned around the previous test actually mm-hmm. with the ball and uh, probably conwall for alzari and uh, thomas for gabriel would be two changes i'd make Okay. Yeah, that that seems reasonable. So for England, any changes? I don't see any change. But how about you? I don't see any. Probably you might see Anderson walk back in for Vox. 
it's really hard it has to be for vogue they don't have a choice mm. because they can't drop karan anymore so correct but otherwise i don't see any reason for them to change this actually yeah we'll be looking forward to that but all in all all i'm looking forward to is another cracker of a test which will start very soon also something that i'm very happy about <laughs> happy about yeah and right on the horizon you have pakistan yeah. already training right pakistan also so yeah. at least as fans yeah. of cricket and mainly test cricket we are all very happy couple of months are sorted for us yeah <laughs> exactly well i mean that's what we were thinking now if we were to move on to the other big topic world cup t20 has been yeah. postponed right Uh, which was ki- kind of in- inevitable in many ways. Huh. Uh, huh. It, that it took so long surprises me actually. Uh, I was expecting this to come out like much earlier because the Australian government had has basically ruled out even international flights for another six months. So uh, I couldn't see how they were to fly in sixteen teams uh, within three months and manage that. And and also f- to be really honest. I don't want to see a World Cup behind closed doors. Exactly. Uh, so imagine like, uh, and I am also talking about that in from the perspective of some of the smaller mm-hmm. sites like Papua New Guinea getting their first shot at a right, big right. tournament experience. Would really like to play it in front of crowds. And PNG has big cricket culture, which we tend to. They might have even have traveling fans and stuff in Australia. Native okay. PNG fans in Australia. So why would they want to play in mm-hmm. front of empty houses? given their first shot look at how uh, thailand played in the women's world t- t20 right, right uh, earlier this year those are the sides i actually look forward to in big events and they should all have a shot at playing in front of crowds indeed yeah and i really hope you know when they get to go in front of the world stage they get a full crowd you know 80000 yes. cheering for them that would be very good indeed. in world t20s it tends to happen also because they usually have double headers so mm-hmm. they usually have like one big game and another less marky game so that ends up b- b- getting you crowds for both the games so i'm really hoping all these sides get to play that instead of like a watered down version of a world cup indeed when it comes to you know the elephant in the room how much of an <laughs> impact did bcci slash indian cricket administration have on this decision or it appears to be a very important one Yes, I am generally not very kind to the BCCI, but I think this one probably was not <laughs> BCCI. Right. So, yeah, I think the pandemic would have dictated. The Australian government, especially the Victoria government, had already said that uh, you can't even have a Boxing Day test this year. The same way. So correct. We discussed this in our previous episode as well. But yeah, I mean, look, it's rather to have a proper full-fledged World Cup once we are able to recover a bit. But there is also another interesting ramification of this. The ODI World Cup has been pushed back by six months. Correct. So what was supposed to be the summer of 2023 mm-hmm. is now going to be the Diwali uh, the Saravala season yes. of the same year. Yeah. So. Oh, but okay. I mean, some some rain may get in the way, but I think it will be yeah. be still fine in India. We can still play that yeah, because it's in yeah. India, right? So that will be start of the season. So right. it will be actually probably better mm-hmm. in some ways. Yeah, there are three windows they are suggesting, but somehow I still think it will be. I think it will be in 2022, right? October, November of 2022. 2021 will still be the one where India will host it, I guess. So, uh, so what they are contemplating right now is if India hosts the World T20 in 2022, then you will have like two World Tournaments back to back in the same country, exactly. uh, which may public appetite may not be the same for two World events. So, 
India, I think it will be fine. But still, but n- n- neutral venue games and crowds that might be a bit of a problem if you have two events back to back. So they might probably shuffle it around. They might have like twenty twenty one going to India and then Australia mm-hmm. and back. So might be. Let's see. The, in in the first place, India shouldn't have been hosting the World T Twenty in twenty twenty two. It should have been some other country. <laughs> that that's for another day. Indeed, indeed. So I have such an objection myself, but yeah, if we go into that, we take a rabbit hole. But um, look, coming on to the, some of the other topics, your favorite, three T C, three T in cricket, right? Yeah. So ABD versus Eagles have taken gold. Mm-hmm. It's, it was a one-off. It was an exhibition game. It was held on Monday last birthday, eighteenth June. I think you are not a big fan, you say? Yeah, I am not a big fan primarily because I think. Uh, the purpose of it is to attract i i am guessing newer audiences right mm-hmm. how are you going to in- introduce the newest audience to the most obscure form of the game and then expect mm-hmm. them to go all the way up, up or or is it going to just be a format which is just for uh, that one month of one to a couple of weeks just for the sake of it like what is the purpose of it because i think uh, as a sport we do not want to branch out so much that we end up confusing the audience uh, because casual audiences you need at least something which resembles the pinnacle of the sport right so if i'm watching football uh, whether casual or not i want something which looks like probably the uh, football world cup would look like what is the aspirationally or a big club tournament would look like why i don't see the purpose of it basically so what does it offer that say a t20 tournament wouldn't offer look for me the breaks in play hmm. that is sort of more conducive to short retention spans that mm-hmm. we usually expect from our audiences hmm. point number 1 hmm. point number 2 when you look at how it is structured the end goal of a limited overs game is actually not broken in as much that more runs the team that scores the highest wins yeah. that is still intact hmm. right There are some nitty-gritty rules. We know who bats first, once in the second leg or third leg. All those are all. There are some jumbled up rules. I agree. And what happens when somebody is run out? There is a chance of one guy batting, which can't happen in any other format. So I agree. But for me, this is still one different way of trying something. I'm not going to say this is the best way. For me, when I look at its competitor, like a hundred, this is more easy to understand compared to okay. for a newcomer. This is my thought. My, even I, I had reservations. Even with the hundred, they they might all end up being successful. I, I I might be the dinosaur in the room, so it's it's okay. But my real problem with the purpose I see of all these uh, uh, newer formats is to globalize the sport and introduce it to more audiences. Mm-hmm. That I see is the right. to go outside of your test cricket core audience or the one day cricket audience. But my problem right. is that uh, the in the first place. the reason a lot of people probably do not take up to the sport is they feel the rules are too hard to follow or the the laws of this game are really archaic and uh, very difficult to keep track of by introducing multiple right. different formats uh, i'm not making it easy for them to transition between different formats that's probably my argument like that is what so a, a, a scaled down version probably at 2020 to 1010 i still see that okay nothing much changes it's just a scaled it's like playing a 20 minute football match instead of 45 yeah. a half so so that is something i have reservations with remember i remember like uh, you had this uh, supermax 
tournament like a game right which mm-hmm. martin crow had introduced where you had like yeah 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 precursor precursor to it yeah. then india actually toured in 2002 i think where we played one game of that kind so a lot of them have right. come and gone so let us see uh, how this goes but i think as a sport our focus should be on like uh, consolidating our other conventional formats the t20 is here to stay we all know that now and and it can easily be globalized uh, so instead yeah. of going in multiple directions uh, we should look at making the uh, international cricket playing field more democratic where you yeah. introduce more teams now i think t20 is ready for a 20 team world cup potentially Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it has been already. Yeah. Look, at least the first mm-hmm. move and the fingers, the rules are being sort of loosened. Loosened. Every T20 ever played is international. Ever played yeah. Is an international. Mm-hmm. So they are trying to make it more open. Mm-hmm. You can keep the elite to Test cricket. Yeah. You can open out T20s. In, I say even if possible for ICC to embrace one of these newer new final formats. Yeah. In ten. Yeah. In ten. Yeah. Yeah. Or hundred. Whatever. And then allow it to grow as one of the other and branches. Right. one of my pet, pet peeves is also the way uh, olympics for example if mm-hmm. uh, the one of the major reservations with cricket not being in the olympics even if the olympic association wants it to be is yeah. that the icc doesn't want uh, a competing tournament which is not under yeah. its purview to be uh, competing with the world t20 so Agreed. why not make the olympics an associate only event like Correct. Let the test playing nations not play the Olympics. Keep oh, you can send a B team. B team. Because because the okay. Olympics yeah. at the heart of it is supposed to be an amateur sporting event. It's not right. supposed to be a professional sportsman's pinnacle. So actually, yes. Why? Yeah. Which is which is also controversial. Why is football exists in the Olympics? Because the Olympic gold medal isn't the pinnacle of football. The football World mm-hmm. Cup is. So. Mm-hmm. which is why football olympic event is actually an under 21 event mostly under 23 events they don't Correct. really allow the senior teams completely to participate and make a similar rule Se- make a similar rule for uh, the international cricket game so make it a t20 event but to distinguish it from the world t20 keep hmm. it predominantly for the associate nations and uh, under under 21 sides or something like that but the, the, these are the areas where cricket has to put really a thought into and this is where we are more reactive and we are we are i, I think ages behind other sports with yeah, these calls indeed. yeah now plenty to learn there i'm sure there's plenty to learn but you know what it's fine if cricket is somehow finding a way to survive in yeah. spite of all the elite and all that yeah You should keep test cricket there. You should keep it what it is between a fifteen max yeah. number of people, number of countries. It's good, and these other sports it can be embraced. Three T C is one of those. Right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's you can. You don't know. Right? I don't But, know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's worth a try. Forward. Worth okay. a try, and given given the state where uh, the game is in a state of pause anyway, so it's a mm-hmm. good time to try it also. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, when, when we discuss the test matches between uh, England and West Indies, we forgot one thing: a certain Jofra Archer and what he did. Yeah, <laughs> he totally forgot about it. He risked a million-dollar, billion-dollar uh, industry <laughs> based on like, <laughs> all the money that was put into hosting this series could have all gone mm-hmm. down the drain. Like, had he done anything, like had he affected a few people and. With the stupidity, yeah. could have basically gone down the drain. Look, it still shows even elite sportsmen need to be treated like cattle. They need yeah. to be carried around buses. Best, best that way. 
both Djokovic and Archer have shown that. Right, right. But okay, I mean, that's a lesson learned, I'm sure, going forward. And it was sporting of the West Indian cricket board to not say, you know, you, one of your guys have broken the protocol, let's stop the series. Because yeah. they would have taken it one day, one yeah. way, That's well done. The West Indies have actually taken a lot of pain to make this happen, right? They could, they are the country which are less affected from the least whole affected. COVID situation, least right. affected. And for them to fly down a team and almost mm-hmm. a full team, uh, I think kudos to them. And yeah, probably had it been the other way around, would the English side have travelled? I have reservations. Agreed. Probably they would. Ah, if I would have been curious what would have happened if a country like India or Pakistan or, hmm. you know, even hmm. South Africa. One of these countries were actually the opposition team. I would have, it would have been a very curious situation. Curious situation, yeah. Indeed. Now, moving a little bit far afield, Australia have selected a 26-man preliminary squad, right? Hmm. So this is for we in hopes that there will be a you know a limited hours um, series in again uh, seven match one day series like the kind <laughs> I hate actually. <laughs> but yeah, why not play two tests? Somebody can tell them, right? But anyway. <laughs> Or like, I don't understand, like, before I get to that, I'd, I'd, I'd much rather prefer tours yeah. to be full so that that side doesn't fly back to this country again for another three years. That gives you a sense of uh, structure mm-hmm. to a tour, right? When a one-day series would first, when a tour would start off with a one-day series followed mm-hmm. by tests, there used to be a lot of context to that one-day series where like players and uh, individual battles would build and right. then you would see it culminating right. in the test series. When, when you split tours this way, where Australia is touring India for three one days in the start of January, which is outside of the test tour, it really, somehow it lacks context. Uh, that's that's my problem. Yeah, this is completely contextless. It's more like a pure, you know, agreement. Yeah. We had agreed we play, let's not play it. Yeah. I always say, both these countries play day-night uh, tests. Mm. It's a bit cold, but if yeah. you can play one day, you can play a day-night test. Instead of seven old days, why you not play two <laughs> tests, call it a mini-ashes or something. Yeah, or a, a full, full, uh, all day night test series. Exactly. Yeah, as fans of the game, we'll watch it. But I'm just talking of like, uh, it doesn't really make sense for the sport. Like, for the larger good of the game, probably uh, the kind of tours we had earlier, the one day series had more charm to it because it was mm-hmm. part of like this bigger tour. Like, uh, e- even that Sharjah yeah. Desert Storm being the culmination of a long tour where India and Australia battled over multiple months. So, it culminated with that Sachin yeah. that Sachin versus Vaughan was the highlight of that summer for us. Correct, correct. So, say Stokes versus uh, uh, Bumrah, for example, over a long tour makes a lot more difference than just to- travelling for like three games in the middle of the summer and nothing on either side of it. That's... Yeah, so 26-man squad is like, I think it's uh, the new normal in cricket is going to be like 30-man squads in. 30 people, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you always keep double your squad and then some, just in case, right? I mean, there are some new people here. There is Daniel Samser, Ali Meredith and Josh Philippi. All of these are names which are not uncommon if you have been mm-hmm. looking at BBL over the last couple of seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On and off, yeah. I have heard these names, yeah. Indeed. But then some old... Uh, Let's say some old favorites like uh, you know you have your uh, Marcus Toynis, you have of course Maxwell, Maxwell, you have also Usman Khawaja. All of these people are back in the squad as well. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's an expanded squad. Not everybody play a game for sure, but it's even that it's a seven match game. If the result is said, 
it's the same probably for england in the series preceding that i think they have a one day series against ireland which has a 25 minutes yeah something yeah, like yeah. same for pakistan and yeah you're right so but yeah that's good that's all good because yeah this is going to be the new normal what you said going ahead it will not be 15 minutes squads anymore right and and now sides have much longer to plan for the world yeah. cup also now so 50 over world cup now teams might have to now rethink actually given that the world cup is mm-hmm. almost a year away now uh, they push back a year uh, teams might have to rethink what's going to be their top order because a lot of players can mm-hmm. lose form uh, what one day sides look today may not really be the shape that they take before that world cup so this is going to be a, a much larger uh, story that will emerge in the next couple of years what happens to one day sides given that The, the World Cup is going to be sandwiched between two T20 right. World Cups. Is One Day Cricket going to look more like T20 by the time that T20 sides are going to just transition into the One Day team? There's there's a lot that is to be looked forward to. And I think the One Day will sort of be still a cautious mix of T20 plus tests. Hmm. But the way England to, the way England took to One Day Cricket in this previous World Cup uh, cycle yeah. is that they yeah, looked yeah. at it as an expanded T Twenty. Fifteen over T Twenty, yeah, two T Twenties kind of. So it's interesting whether that is how the game will evolve. So, so these are things to look forward to. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see. But yeah, I mean, by the time the next uh, World Cup cycle comes around, it's going to be held in India. Yeah. The game might look completely different. Very different. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, going forward, well, at least um, you know Amir Muhammad Amir is again free to join the Pakistan squad at least for the limited hours. Like he's mm-hmm. had the birth of a second child, so mm-hmm. he's. I think he's now ready, but uh, we hear he's he has to be tested twice, and yeah. passed successfully. Only then he's able to come through. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we wish him all the best, and I'm sure Pakistan will be stronger. Uh, and they also yeah. have a while to go before their one day leg begins, so mm-hmm. there is still time for them. Yeah. For example, you tried Malik, right? So he was yeah. allowed to spend some time with his family in Delhi, yeah. and then he's then going to go. Mm-hmm. So let's see how that goes. And uh, well, when we look at some of the news from outside of the cricketing field, the United States of America has now again said they'll not be offering contracts to their players, but just monthly retainers. Did you happen to see it? Mm-hmm. So did they have? No, I did not. So did they have like uh, annual contracts before or? Yeah. Oh, had thirteen national contracted players. This is interesting. Uh, so again, coming back to the health of the associate game, this is something I see now with a lot of associate teams. They have uh, a reasonably professional setup now with annual contracts and stuff. So that's heartening, in a way. Nah, but somehow this has gone the other way. It's They're gone the other way. Retainers. Yeah. And retainers are no way close to what monthly contracts used to offer. For example, in terms of mm-hmm. remuneration. Mm-hmm. But also, not so, not the all thirteen players will be contracted. Who are contracted will be offered retainers. So I have Something not like I have not kept in touch. So is it has it got to do with the COVID situation and the financial health and stuff like that? What's the of, official reasoning for this? Basically, it's just they at least the CEO says they have they see a lot of uh, you know uncertainty with respect to the domestic, international, and global cricket economy and future revenues. Mm-hmm. They are not sure. It's it's a very complicated way of saying we don't have money. I think they were actually in uh, uh, Velo TV and I think Times of India were uh, investing in a T Twenty league in the US. Mm-hmm. If I'm not wrong, mm-hmm. which probably would have taken off next year, but I don't know. Given the current scenario, I think a lot of the smaller leagues, say even the uh, European T Twenty league, for example, yeah, yeah. which which looked promising, right. 
these might take a lot of hit oh man i was hoping to go see a few of those or cover a few of those live anyway that's gone now going further a couple of bcci related news your favorite topic i'm sure right <laughs> so one uh, bcci is apex body which met on 17th basically they got the more or less they predicted that they have date window september 26th to november 9th most likely we will given the cases that are happening in india with covid Mm. this is the ipl 2020 so it's more or less certain now barring some inking on the paper that uae will host ipl 2020 it will be a almost a full format tournament starting 20, september 26 ending 9th and so on so yeah what do you think of this so again we'll have to quietly marry the other topic did ipl cause a you know a displacement of the world cup and the asia cup at all asia cup for sure Hmm. probably not the world cup right because the asia cup would have happened in uae hmm. or, or sri lanka yeah. probably but definitely probably in the uae hmm. given the current geopolitical situation yeah. so asia cup it has definitely eaten into and and asia cup is again a tournament which i enjoy like it's a guilty pleasure of mine uh, <laughs> it's one tournament outside of the icc events that i look forward to hmm. uh, because asia cup also has new sides and stuff like that but i think that has the icc has the bcci has definitely eaten into but there is also the sense of inevitability around uh, september october being this window and uh, and given the current covid situation in india there is no way it would have happened in india in yeah. any case so but uh, the uae had, okay hey, good for us so we'll have full ipl to look forward to well i mean i just have to just find out which time of the day it is that i tune out of all the news probably on twitter and so on so uh, it's the same until the last five games i am a fan of ipl but yeah i only watch the ebbs and flows from afar uh, until the last so i so the way i consume ipl is i don't have a team to follow it's no, okay. okay so i used to till you had the uh, older guys playing but since then i have i have a certain rules like i genuinely do not have a team to follow i i pick a side on a particular day which has the better pace bowling lineup or a mm-hmm. younger batting lineup so something right. like that right. Uh, right. i have like a game by game basis and i eventually only tune into the whole uh, hype of it towards the fag end of the tournament pretty much pretty much the same for me like last five six games and yeah i'm happy with that. but this year given this year given covid and all the other lack of entertainment mm-hmm. options uh, i think i might watch more of the ipl this year i'm going to try and not watch dubai might not be the most conducive place for a uh, exciting tournament that's the sad part. yeah you mean from the pitch slower wickets yeah oh well. you might have like 140 150 games probably let's see it will be much more spin friendly than india how do i put it my even if you play it on a dead pitch in dubai somehow rcb will find a way to need to under that wait for this right if i want to have a city based affiliation that would have been my team and but some of the generation i don't expect they'll win anything i think kumbhla's rcb team was this to winning yeah the second year and kohli's rcb went into a final but somehow they didn't look like they were going to win that but anyway and lost to hyderabad on both times different versions of hyderabad so exactly now that's a good point one thing to notice would be one thing which is be interesting is that sides might have uh, picked squads based on uh, the tournament being played in india right so mm-hmm. some sides might end up benefiting from this move to dubai because right. indian pitches for example uh, these days kolkata dharamshala wickets like these and even jaipur 
on order of kitchen mm. mumbai are all much more bouncier and they have pace uh, these days they are some of them even are like rank green top sometimes so uh, i don't see that happening in dubai in any case so certain sides yeah. which had like good pace attacks uh, say kolkata would have picked the squad based on them playing seven games in eden so some right. sides might end up benefiting from this i guess now this is where you know your uh, coaching skill yeah. your management skill with the squad will come through mm-hmm. whichever side can manage the better squad also will probably have a better chance look each squad has enough spinners i think it's going to be a spinners yeah uh, yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah let's see how that goes but you mentioned a good team for us to continue our next topic right mm-hmm. hyderabad yeah. so did you see that VCCI has been ordered to pay 4800 yeah. crores. I have to pause to think how many zeros are in that. Doesn't matter which currency, rupees, right? Still, 4800 crores is the amount that has been they have been ordered to pay by an arbitration uh, committee. Did you see that? Good God! Yeah, I saw. Uh, I saw that. Hmm. But is it going to materialize? <laughs> That's the interesting. That's a good question. Wait, wait. That's a different question. We will handle that next. That looks like an astronomical sum. So I, I, I just was taken aback. and i mean that might even bankrupt the bcci if, if if i may say right that's yeah yeah but you know this is a very serious case because the amount of money that they required as bank guarantees that you see some numbers here 4000 wow. crores is the amount that would have been accrued if the deccan charges would have held it and plus what they owe their creditors plus what the franchisee dues etc they required 100 crore um, bank guarantee 10 days bcci for them to even hold it yeah. so when i look at those numbers this is agreed it's a huge number but seems like a reasonable mm. settlement from the overall picture yeah. it's an unlawful termination of an entire yeah. you know consortium right so, correct yeah. yeah and you know somehow another name another old friend of ours mr lalit modi his name has come up again <laughs> if you come up again <laughs> right apparently it was under yeah. tenure right it happened in 2010 and 2012 yeah which is like the murky ipl era basically right 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 the you know the big glasses and mustache hmm. no that's it so we'll have to see how this will end up so is it still astronomical for the bcci is something yes. i was thinking yeah it probably is not yes. but 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 it's also an ego issue right ah. so <laughs> no, for no doubt about the ego issue look if we not break them they will not going to <laughs> no receivership just because of this but it will really hurt them yeah financially probably they might even make up ah. in another year because no no, no. not 4800 crores that's too big a number not 4800 crores look you yeah. probably nobody knows how deep bcci coffers are right this is a non profit organization registered yeah. in chennai that doesn't pay taxes mm-hmm. right so that, with that in mind nobody knows how deep their pockets are but still this will eat into their pockets it will properly hurt them and we'll yeah. see how it goes and i don't think they'll anyway pay the all of it they'll contest it get it written over but it'll still make sure as you say it's an ego issue for them uh-huh. more than exactly. anything because give, given how uh, so i was originally hopeful of uh, ganguly becoming the president and so on mm-hmm. but eventually we have seen what has happened over the course of the last year they have tried to dilute everything that is that was even positive with the loda reforms exactly look at how many people have quit since rahul johari quit sabakar yes. quit yes. pragnekar quit mm-hmm. everybody quit shantarang swami has to leave cnd is asked to be excused so so it's slowly the inertia of the system the inertia of the organization 
and and also the way they they way they have tried to say uh, find loopholes mm. in that loda remo- right. reforms by say if a politician cannot directly be associated then you will have the next in line okay. somewhere some some indirect way a politician is associated nepotism his son his brother uh, jaysha dhumal then you have uh, srinivasan's daughter probably associated with tamil nadu so this is not how i thought uh, this would go this 10 year would go correct exactly said so i was more hopeful when ganguly took over but it now it more and more looks like uh, ganguly is just a conduit for <laughs> them to show a cricketing face to the bcci whereas the uh, rest of the matters keep going the way it always were there are two things i think about this one he mm-hmm. needs a bit of time to consolidate himself and he did not start with a yeah. it was already a very blotch sheet yeah so it will take him some time to turn over a new side of that sheet right there is already too much on that shit so that's one thing the other thing you heard it here before probably or you heard it here for the first time i don't know the thing is he might be earmarked for bigger things on the national stage or at least in the national state. stage right because that was one of the things i keep discussing with somebody i know uh, one of the other cricket fans we talk about it he says no no no, no ganguly will be probably pulled into politics of the mainstream probably this is just a stopover for him for 3 years or 2 mm-hmm. years the moment he turns 45 48 50 they're going to just put him into the bigger picture where they need a face in west bengal and so on so bengal politics uh, it's, it's it's a longer longer discussion and not one for a cricketing podcast but nonetheless there is more to be had here yeah. and if you want really some changes to be seen ganguly is to be given a little bit of time this politics that you see so deep rooted hmm. it cannot be rooted out in i dare say one entire term and he didn't even have a term what's a conflict of interest for example so i was mm. really disappointed with the way they reacted to it uh, mm. you mm. could have at least tried to address it in a more dignified sense but what you end up having is like uh, ganguly as the bcci president is now endorsing dream 11 yeah yeah it's on your face right that is not something i want to see that should have been pulled that should have been yeah. pulled yeah so that's a that's an issue but that's probably for another podcast also the way they're trying to get it extended yeah they they are trying to get extended those that are in power are not only when they're coming for election is the case so that means you're again exemplary or full term plans out good yeah. god and you know the people they consult are ex chief justices as well yeah and the right? chief justices uh, these are issues they feel are much more uh, uh, apart from all the other things that are going around in the country these are the things right. they feel are more important to meddle okay. with so. Yeah. Hey, look, if you are an ex-chief justice, you so, know how the system works and you know works. every loophole there ever was. Was. Mm-hmm. Only thing is, if somebody is willing to pay you for half an hour of your consultation, why would you say anything? <laughs> Come on, that's not how it works, right? Yeah. Anyway, that's one thing. Moving on a bit, you know, BCCI's sphere of influence, the Indian Creators Association that has sort of started, is trying to, you know, should be an association that you can expect to stand up against BCCI from a player perspective, for example. but it's also a caged parrot right the way it is no that that's exactly the point at least the uh, president mr ashok malhotra says he did not get the sort of support he was looking for from some people like anshuman gaikwad or shantarangas from hmm. basically they all their entire caucus is purely bcci sacred road still which actually goes against the purpose of having a cricketers association in the first place <laughs> so. right it's again look we have a cricketers association but then listen to what we have to say mm. right then what's the point yeah if in places like australia and england this is an almost independent body which 
the players have a say in as much that they have legal representation through that and they're able to challenge some of the decisions for example in australia they got the revenue system uh, modified a little right to suit the players a bit more. and the players stand up actually to the boards here the individual player probably in the top 15 players of india earn so much they don't they don't give a whatever they'll never speak up exactly and yeah. everything you earn is sort of controlled by that that you don't have to speak up right yeah that in that in case as long as that's how it is controlled it's always going to be this way but it's a longer discussion but again another small gripe and 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 structurally it is a lot more like disastrous for the game in the country because uh, you you will have like the cream at the top mm. looking good mm. but mm. Uh, the people lower down have no voices basically okay. in the sport so it's yeah. it's also a longer social discussion so Indeed. like it's another so, another uh, you know we can do a sub podcast where we go into the yeah. social and the political ramifications of what we just discussed i, I wouldn't mind doing yeah. that right but not maybe this episode yeah so uh, going yeah. further from one world body to another or one cricketing body to another you have indra nui who's one of the people on board the icc so if somebody yeah. were to vote her as the next president president or chairperson would would you think that would work i am actually quite uh, interested in that as an idea probably she has a, the experience of running something like a global mm-hmm. global enterprise like uh, pepsi correct and uh, cricket at this moment needs someone with a global outlook it, it's a it, it's a commodity that needs to go out i think very easily as a sport mm. especially the shorter formats right uh, can be taken to many more countries if if the icc itself mm. is willing to take short term losses mm. the game can make a lot more money uh, which the which we tend to lose sight of mm. when 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 the icc goes for a 10 team world cup and shrinks it from 16 and 14 to 10 right uh, what we why we do it is because in the short term probably they look at it as being more lucrative because it will give you more uh, Uh, top 8 games right but probably if you were to take this punch for a, a financial punch for a couple more tournaments like in one cycle and you have say uh, two good teams emerging out of it mm-hmm. you untap a market which will bring in much more money right now currently which the icc is unwilling to take up mm-hmm. basically and probably hopefully someone who has run say a much bigger global enterprise if that thought process can be brought into the sport uh, i'm all for it because I, i at least at that level you don't need to know the sport per se it's more your managerial skills and how you yeah look at these commodities is what matters yeah therein lies a small problem for me hmm. can you still get a handle on the top 3 or the big 3 yeah if you cannot they will not allow you to make these sort of decisions where you know revenue might take a small back seat to popularizing the game or something yeah can they do it sort of shashank manohar i don't know if you saw it recently uh, shrinivasan said appointment of shashank manohar was the most <laughs> disastrous say, thing disastrous thing for him <laughs> right yeah. uh, you can't always have somebody who sort of favors you sitting right at the top because this person is supposed to look at the entire game mm. not just you and your pockets yes right yes so in this case would something like that work do you think probably not probably yeah. not in a utopian world it might end up being what we saw with ganguly basically <laughs> so <laughs> it might go down that route but but icc has to be the most uh, blind sporting organization in the world given yeah. there are th- there are things that align for that sport but the uh, hmm. 
but the administrative body itself is not interested in globalizing it say last 3 years if you were to take and look at the health of associate cricket hmm. uh, so you had in this previous 5 6 year cycle you have had netherlands beating england twice in an icc world t20 okay. it is a sign of the sport being in decent health then you've had like newer teams suddenly emerging afghanistan's mir- miraculous rise you've had ireland mm-hmm. beating england in world cups and beating west indies and pakistan in world world cups so the global say outlook of the game should have been much stronger uh, going ahead what we did in response to that was to shrink the tournament so i don't yeah, see that was a weird response Okay. as opposed to say rugby embracing japan and all these sides and rugby has taken the gamble of going towards the 24 30 team world cup t20 right. cricket can surely do that but the problem is you had scotland beating england a year before the one day world cup do people even remember that nobody does no like one year before the world cup scotland scored like 380 against england and beat an english world world cup winning yeah. side a year before but we don't even consider them good enough to get uh, say consistent one day games mm-hmm. the, the governing body can't even take a decision which mandates you to play all teams equally that's the least yeah, yeah. A, a governing body should do for globalizing so that global vision the body itself doesn't have as opposed to other sports so i think that's the biggest hurdle for the globalization of cricket is the cricket administration itself not the sport or how hard it is to grasp i think that's the least of the issues right. people will embrace it yeah look i mean somebody neutral would be the best yeah somebody yeah. who doesn't have the hmm. baggage of the, the betterment of one yeah yeah or baggage even right if if but the game itself is as you, as we said about bcci unfortunately the let's say the nepotism is not the word i will use the self serving nature Future. of certain members are so deep rooted hmm. it's very tough because they are also the controlling interests when it comes to finances correct today bcci cannot be challenged because they can fund their own icc yes that's the whole point hmm. right yes so when you have such imbalance in powers it it's never a body yeah there are no equals there it's pretty obvious right yes. and this was the case in the 70s with some of the other countries with england and australia right? at that point Actually, so uh, this will never be addressed in cricket unless we bring enough participants where there are certain amount of equality achieved on and off the field. Mm-hmm. Because, but this is this is again a lot. Because every yeah. decision, even the one we discussed before about the Olympics, is serving only the top three. Mm-hmm. If you if you were to do yeah. just uh, uh, take a vote on whether cricket has to be in the Olympics or not, and uh, exclude the top three and let the rest vote independently, you would see. Hmm. Uh, them voting unanimously in favor of the olympics right it's it's quite obvious yes. yeah. why would a netherlands yeah. or a or, or say a belgium t20 side not want to be a part of the olympics they would right correct now it's only the really big earners that will stop it but then you know there are ways around it we even went through those yeah but all in all i would really like to see somebody like uh, misindra nagi on top of the yeah. icc you know Uh, board, but we'll see if that's with no cricketing baggage. Yes, okay. no cricketing baggage. Since she's been a part of the board, mm. probably already a few yeah. years, and she knows how the machinations happen. Mm. It would take somebody like that who knows the inner working of the council, but still has an open mind to cut it out. Yeah. That's what I think Shashank Manohar did for a large yeah. extent. Yeah, and 
it doesn't matter who says what it, it is good or bad i appreciate him for exactly. sort of taking the control away from the big three, big three sort of offering more money to the yeah. associates he did a lot of good things but yeah let's see if this this is going to come to pass i somehow think it's uh, you know jay clark's turn this time they say <laughs> it's somehow just going to be him yeah okay now we have finished all the discussion topics it was a wonderful wonderful chat but before we close we have the trivia section right yeah so the trivia question from the previous episode was when was the first boxing day test held at the mcg mm-hmm. so you know uh, what would you like to take a guess maria i will take a guess so it's probably sometime in the late 70s i would say not very far off late i think 79 81 some somewhere in this phase i would say good guess but i think uh, you're off by 3 okay ashes so it was 74 75 oh, okay and um, so it was the third test of the 74 75 ashes where they decided to do it as a you know a nice thing to do let's see what will happen mm-hmm. and then it stuck on as a tradition mm-hmm. what we think of as a timeless tradition is actually only quite recent <laughs> in that sense well, 50 years is a long time for in sport considering cricket test given how old the sport is uh, not that old yeah Indeed. it's not so timeless as a test in lords or something agree totally agree yeah and um so the trivia question from this episode is you know we saw some terrible umpiring i'm sorry to say that lot of hollywood umpiring this series but <laughs> just just before you move on to the question just uh-huh. a tangent do you think a lot of it was because of the third review the umpires were actually more uh, oh. trigger happy with the lbws yeah it could be but for me it's mostly about rustiness i think Uh, yeah there's a certain amount of rustiness also for the umpire sir see umpire can do a nets how can you do a nets we can umpire you can <laughs> what yeah. or you actually stand in nets and give out when people are practicing yeah. i don't know i'm just thinking right so it yeah. could be that but also there may be see i think this is a very crucial time for umpires because uh, for example in the second test i think no bowling duties were taken over by the third umpire entirely yeah so mm-hmm. when these things yeah. happen i think they are going to now find their niche again somehow umpires have come to doubt themselves because everything can be reviewed mm-hmm. at a later time your lack of spontaneity will be immediately spotted and you will be sort of made to pay in one way or the other right they have yeah, sort of yeah. lost a little bit of confidence but now it's going to make a comeback when they are assisted the right way through technology this is my opinion yes right mm-hmm. yes okay going forward the question was who was the first umpire whose decision was ever overturned on review if you can name the year and the match that's perfect so in this case this was based on which format are you talking about just just i think it was the one day i love to yeah, yeah. i think yeah, so you are you are referring to that specifically uh, no the first ever decision that was over okay okay first ever okay first yeah. ever so you know uh, i can give you the year it was 2008 okay so i would like to know who was the umpire right so this was actually yeah. thanks to a tweet by the north stand uh, gang wankede on twitter so we'd like to say thanks to them this was an idea from their own tweet right so if you want to get in touch with us to give us an answer to the question or let us know how you think our podcast is going please do get in touch the ways you can get in touch are well we always say it every episode it's uh, on twitter at @amchatrickpot where we are also active during the tests in mails you can say amchat.cricket@gmail.com you can also send in a comment on any of the podcasting apps we have a bunch listed in our episode notes also you know if you are using um, apple podcast please do subscribe and hit the like button and or you know give us a five star rating this is very important for us so that was that was let's say the content but now i would like to say thank you to aditya so as always aditya the time flies when we are having a chat it's always a very wonderful 
chat with you we mix social political economical all issues apart from cricket but it's wonderful <laughs> for me as a cricketing fan <laughs> i always so it's great fun maybe you would like to plug a bit about your own podcast yeah so uh, so i am from the fourth seat podcast so me and a couple of my other friends so we are all 90s kids who grew up in middle class bombay and we discuss a lot of uh, random stuff nostalgia driven uh, a lot of uh, obscure movie references b grade movies and uh, we end up reviewing them and if you are into ideas like that and also a lot of uh, very even more armchair critical <laughs> version of cricket right. uh, review reviews of cricket matches and tournaments right. it's right. like a bunch of friends having a conversation over chai that is that that is the vibe that you will get from or rasna with rahul yeah or rasna with rahul right. so right. our our twitter handle is at seatforth and you can find us online uh, you can mail us at uh, the fourth seat podcast at gmail.com and you can also listen to us on any of our uh, or your of your favorite podcast platforms so we will be going on air with a hopefully a new season in a couple of weeks with our post covid return perfect so, yeah. now yours is one of the more enjoyable podcasts because of the mix of topics you always bring so i'm looking forward to that myself so having said all that it's a goodbye from me and our guest aditya thank you aditya good day bye bye You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast.